Sports, and this is Name Brands, the podcast about the story behind your favorite brands. So, Roger, when you go shopping, do you actually read the labels and the foods you buy? I do. I'm very sensitive to it because I want to make sure there aren't any unnecessary additives or anything artificial. So I want something as authentic and authentic. 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 Uh, <laughs> as, as pure as possible. So, yeah, I, I do. And, 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 and one of the folks that I've been a huge fan of um, is Gary Hirschberger, who, who really started um, a Stonyfield yogurt years ago as being sort of that all-natural yogurt. And it was one of the first things really on the market. Well, Roger, I agree with you. I mean, I look at labels too, but sometimes I think it's a little too far. For example, when I was in the supermarket the other day, I saw a brand of margarine and they had five different flavors, 2% fat, 3% fat. fat. Uh-uh, uh-uh, no margarine. No margarine oh. because of the trans <laughs> no, I, fats. You I know. cannot have margarine. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you shouldn't be buying any, any products that you can't pronounce the ingredients, right? <laughs> hey, but, in one of the upcoming podcasts, uh, we're going to have uh, Eric Rim and Walter Willard from the Harvard School of Public Health. They were the people behind getting rid of trans fats, and they're going to talk about margarine. That's awesome. Well, today's guest is a pioneer in the world of organic foods. Here's our talk with the co-founder and chairman of Stonyfield Farm, Gary Hirschberg. We're here today with Gary Hirschberg, the man behind Stonyfield Farms, truly one of the most important influencers in the world of organics and health foods today. Gary joined Samuel Kamen at his small family farm in New Hampshire back in 1983 with the mission of teaching sustainable farming to others. In order to keep the farm afloat, Gary took the farm's seven cows and started producing organic yogurt for milk. The rest is history. Gary led the farm to $75 million in sales before selling a 40% stake to Danone in 2001 and the rest of the stock over the ensuing years. He's remained with the company as chairman. Danone announced this spring that they would be selling uh, Stonyfield to avoid some antitrust issues. As a result, they just sold to the French dairy Lactalis. That's an $18 billion company they sold for $875 million. So the first question I have for you, Gary, do you still have a job? <laughs> uh, well, they, they, the deal closed with Lactalis on, October, on August 2nd. And of course, being French, they disappeared for the next three <laughs> weeks. But uh, yes, all is, uh, all is well. We're really very happy. Just a couple quick corrections, Roger, if I oh, might. Um, all right. Uh, it's a $22 billion company. It's 18 billion euro company. Okay. Uh, and also, it's we can really round, important. We can round up. Go ahead. Well, even more important, it, it was Samuel Kamen's yogurt recipe. I'm Samuel had the cow. Samuel had the yogurt. I came in and brought some marketing and some business and finance skills, but credit where it's due, it, it goes back to the master well, I himself. behind the brand, right? <laughs> right. Well said. Well said. Yeah. No, I helped, certainly helped Samuel get it yeah. to a brand. Okay, yeah. let's question. Going back in time, Western Mass, what was the defining moment that led you to organics? Because I read a while ago an article that you were in Disney World, and something happened at Disney World that yes. lit off a bulb saying, I'm going to organics. Just well, share with us that story. Well, Larry, that, you, now you're going to ancient history. I already confessed to you, I'm, I'm at the stage in my life where I'm just trying to remember which decade it happened in, right? <laughs> um, no, the, the story is my mom was the senior buyer at the Epcot Center in Florida. And so in the um, early, eight, late 70s, I was working at an environmental organization on Cape Cod called the New Alchemy Institute, which was doing ecological, ecologically designed uh, solar enclosed environments for growing food with, with, with um, uh, no recourse to chemicals, all organic. And uh, my mom invited us down for uh, the holidays. So we were down at Christmas and uh, at the Epcot Center back then, I saw the Kraft Foods funded land pavilion. It's still there. I don't think Kraft is the sponsor anymore. Where they were demonstrating a different view of how food would be grown in the future, you might say, from mine. It was much more of a kind of a homage to chemicals and, and, and fossil fuel inputs and so on. And I, what was really stunning about that visit, to come to your question, is that we had about 25,000 people visiting our little institute on Cape Cod near Falmouth every year. But they had about 25,000 people visiting every day. And I came out of that exhibit, and what was most impressive to me is that the, is that the numbers they were seeing showing really a, an antiquated, a 20th century view of how food ought to be grown depending on chemicals and so forth. And I said, look, Mom, I've got to become craft. I've got to develop that kind of power. And so fast forward three years later, as Roger just said in his intro, um, 
at Samuel's Little Organic Farming School, we developed this idea of selling his delicious yogurt recipe to grow a business. And about four years after that, we actually passed craft and sales of yogurt. So it awesome. was a sort of a, a minor uh, victory. That was in the days of, uh, um, you know, I, I often say back then in our start, we had a great company, just no supply and no demand. You know, no one, <laughs> no one really knew what we were talking about. But of course, today, the and no money. A, well, definitely no money. Yeah, uh, that's a given. But you know, today it's a four hundred million dollar company in a in, right. in what is now a fifty billion dollar sector, right. the organic sector. Gary, I'm always curious in terms of what motivates people. Now, as I look back at your background, it, it would appear that status quo is not in your uh, lexicon <laughs> at all. You went to an alternative high school. You were one of the first graduates of Hampshire College. And you got into sustainable farming, you know, when absolutely no one was into sustainable farming and no one really knew about organics. What was what was sort of the motivation behind that push? That's a great question. Uh, you know, I, the other the other probably uh, irregularity there is that I was studying climate change in 1972 mm -hmm. when no one was talking about that either. Um, honestly, you know, I'm a child of the '60s. I grew up uh, in New Hampshire. Is that my, what you're telling us? You're a hippie. My uh, well, <laughs> I certainly have lived through some interesting times. We evolved uh, in the Siddons in, in Amherst. Oh, and everywhere else. Uh, <laughs> uh, look, even my mother protested Seabrook. So we we have it runs genetically in our family. Uh, no, but all kidding aside, um, you know, I grew up. I was born into a place, New Hampshire, that was very rural. We got our milk and our butter and our eggs down at the bottom of the street, and we, we knew the name of the turkey that we had at Thanksgiving and, and so on. And over the course of my childhood, New Hampshire really became suburbanized. And I was a hiker and a ski racer, and I grew up watching views that one could see when I was a little kid become obscured by pollution over the course of my childhood. And so uh, my father was in the shoe business, uh, my father and grandfather. That's why we were in New Hampshire. And as a little guy, I used to watch the pretty colors go out the back of the factory and swirl around and think they were beautiful until as a, a little later in life, I began to understand that, uh, you know, the injustice of, of, of sort of uh, the industrial kind of mythology that there's a place called Away where we can send our waste. And so when I went to college, I thought the last thing I want to do is business. And I threw myself into sci the sciences and particularly into ecology, which was at that time with Barry Commoner and Earth Day starting to be a kind of a topic area. And I, I had decided business was the source of all evils because I was watching the pollution and the demise of family farms and so on. But um, the road to choosing business and to this inspiration really came as I, as I said, I was studying climate change and recognizing that I could spend my entire adult life studying the problem or I could get to work on the solution. And the solutions that were starting to make themselves present were uh, solutions like renewable energy. Now, nowadays, solar. Back then, as you say, it was this kind of wacky idea. Now it's the cheapest form of installed uh, power that there is. Uh, organics, um, which is really, in effect, preventative health care, the cheapest form of health care there is. So you've seen the sort of rising rates of cancer in our country. The president's cancer panel says now 42% of Americans alive today will be diagnosed with cancers in our lifetimes. And while that's a uh, emotional and a, a, for any of us who've been through cancer, a, a, you know, a difficult um, a challenge uh, personally. It's it's fundamentally societally an incredibly expensive challenge. It's it's uh, if we're treating cancer after we've gotten it, we're we're talking about something that could bankrupt our country, uh, uh, trillions and trillions. And again, organics is now we now have proof that you can sequester carbon. You can. Uh, in soils, you can animals can live longer on organic foods, and and people can and young children in particular can uh, dramatically reduce the amount of toxins in their blood and then their in their tissue by eating at least some amount of organic. So um, we, but but truth truth be told, the real reason we got into business, going back to Samuel's farm, was uh, my institute and his little nonprofit got into some serious financial hot water when Ronald Reagan got elected president because one of the first things uh, the Reagan administration did was they slashed funding for organic research, which meant all of the federal and then private support tightened up. And we really had, both of our institutes had to come up with a means of self-support. And so 
lo and behold, I discovered that I had a little bit of business uh, genes in me and was able to team up with Samuel, the yogurt genius, and and uh, begin to sell a product to make up for the lack of uh, grant revenue. And, and eventually we closed the school down because we found we were being more effective as educators uh, with little pots of yogurt than we ever were with our sort of weekend workshops. You read all the reports about organics. We all know they all cost a little more money depending on what you're buying. Which product categories are really critical, are more important if you want to call it that, for organics, and which ones, if you have not as much disposable income, you know, less priority than the more of the ones that say are prioritized? Yeah, it's a great question, and it's, and it's properly put. Um, honestly, if the USDA organic symbol is on the product, in other words, if it's certified organic, I can't sit here and tell you that any one category is more valuable or more important than another for this reason, Larry. If, if you, depending on what drives your interest in organics, if it's, if it's a, an environmental concern, less pesticides in the environment, less herbicides, then you have to realize there's an environmental impact. As important as it is to us consumers, uh, eating less pesticides, less herbicides, you have to remember there's a farm worker out there, there's farms. In Stonyfield's case, we buy from over a million acres of chemical-free farmland. Um, so you're avoiding the production of and use of unnecessary toxins into our air, water, and soil. You know, um, glyphosate, what we, the prime ingredient in Roundup, uh, the herbicide, uh, oh, because of genetically engineered foods that have been, 90% of which have been engineered to make, uh, be resistant to glyphosate, in other words, to allow of farmers to use as much glyphosate as they want. It's now the most used agrochemical on earth. And the U.S. Geological Survey tells us that between 70 and 100% of the rainfall in the Midwest now contains glyphosate. In other words, wow. the amount of spraying. So right away from an environmental point of view, um, it's, it's a good thing, whatever the product. If you're buying because you want to support family farmers or local agriculture, Again, um, family farmers make more money. Their cows live twice as long in the case of dairy. And then if you're buying, which, and this is the primary motivation, for your own health, uh, of course, produce would be the first place to go. And that is typically where people go because there's less spraying directly on the product that you're, the strawberries or the spinach or the grapes. But honestly, again, even in the case of dairy, where you're, you're, it's mostly what the cows are eating mm. that you're concerned about. You get healthier animals, you get healthier meat, and we now know, uh, you know, that you can titrate and and find uh, dramatically six times, four to six times less chemical residue in organic products. So what I tell people on limited means, because you're you're absolutely right. Due to supply and demand, it's an emerging sector. Um, there's still a higher cost. There's a thousand good reasons to eat organic. There's one tough one, and it's more expensive. So I, I just tell people, look. Pick and choose what you can afford and what you like best. If it's if yeah. it's yogurt, if it's fruit, you know, whatever, you're going to be making a difference. It, yeah, it's a, it's a very nuanced, you know, sort of uh, question and answer to it because it means a lot of things to different people. Yeah. But uh, let me let me take a step back for a second because you said something that when people create brands or create businesses, you know, it's not always that they come up with a great idea, let's try this. Oftentimes, necessity is the mother of invention. So if you have a problem, oftentimes you're just trying to fix the problem, and then all of a sudden you find it uh, leading uh, into an opportunity. So when you got into yogurt, I mean, taking Sam's cows and producing yogurt, and and what was happening back then that allowed the yogurt phenomenon to kind of take off? That's an excellent question. So, you know, this is, let's level set again. In 1983, mm. there were two kinds of yogurt, big cups and little cups, you know. <laughs> but it wasn't today. We don't have Greek and stirrables and, mm. and grass-fed and pouches and, and tubes. And, um, and uh, frankly, the average consumer had no idea that there was something called a better yogurt. Everyone thought yogurt was healthy. It turns out, though, as Newsweek magazine reported back in 1984, that most of the yogurts in that day had more sugar in them than a Snickers bar. But people perceived any yogurt was healthy, sure, right? Sure, yeah. sure. And there yeah. were the Dan and ads showing the 100-year-old Georgians and, by the way, uh, South Georgians. And by the way, there was some truth to those ads because there was science out there that sh clinically showed that consuming the live and active cultures in that make yogurt um, could extend the life of vital body organs. New England Journal of Medicine showed mm -hmm. you could have a you know, better heart health and, and, and liver health and so on mm -hmm. consuming yogurt. But 
to Americanize something that had been around for 6,000 years in most of the world, we, of course, added a lot of sugar to make it palatable. So our modest little proposition was fresh from the farm, completely organic. Again, as to Roger's point, no one knew what that meant. Mm -hmm. um, but more importantly, um, uh, simple. And, 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 and it's in, I mention that because less ingredients is, of course, now with millennials come back. And, mm. and we were f completely transparent. We certainly couldn't afford advertising, uh, but we were able to use our packaging and then demos. And, and in this very building where we're sitting and in many others, I was able to, uh, because it was novel and interesting to be talking about food and the role of food in our society and food as preventative health, I was able to get a lot of free publicity through mm -hmm. interviews and so on. The, the Joe and Andy uh, guys, if you'll remember them down the oh, road yeah. here at ROR, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, Andy's, of course, uh, now gone, gone. But, you know, a Andy used to sort of uh, brag about how many uh, donuts he could eat in a sitting, and <laughs> yeah. Joe was uh, running marathons. And one day, Joe said to Andy, and Joe was eating one of our yogurts uh, yeah, yeah. in the morning show, and, 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 and Joe said to Andy, you really ought to try this stuff. It would help you. And Andy said, is that yogurt? And he said, yeah. And Joe said, yes. And Andy said, I'd rather eat camel manure than yogurt. <laughs> so Benson's Animal Farm was still oh, yeah, in operation really, yeah. in Hudson, New Hampshire, and my wife and I got wind of this broadcast, drove over, picked up some frozen camel nuggets in the morning, uh, literally some camel manure, drove it down, brought Joe his yogurt and Andy his manure, and we got our first uh, on-air oh. testimonial with Andy saying, yes, our yogurt tasted better than camel poop. So, um, But Roger, the real blunt answer to your question is we were clueless. I mean, yeah. we, we knew yogurt making, we knew about organics, uh, and we were educators. Um, I, again, had some business background. I knew how to manage money and to raise money. Mm -hmm. um, we could never find any common ground with institutional investors. Venture capitalists wouldn't take a look mm -hmm. at us. We, yeah. It was a Looney Tunes proposition. The category didn't exist. Um, but we had friends and family and that old adage that if you don't ask, you don't get. My That very same grandfather, who was your dad's banker, mm -hmm. was also a Sidney Rabb's banker at... Um, and and they, in fact, they were next door neighbors yeah. in Newton. And so uh -huh. I went over to see Avi, as I knew him, Goldberg and Carol, uh -huh. uh, and said, look, would you take our yogurt? And well, they, I mean, you know, the Jewish mafia only went so far and I think they wanted to <laughs> get rid of me. So they sent me over to Bill Gatani, uh, their uh, legendary uh -huh. buyer at Stop and Shop. And Bill didn't know what to do. So he said, I'll give you five stores. And one of them was here on Memorial Drive in Cambridge. Uh -huh. And Samuel and I began, and we were, don't forget, we were milking cows in the morning, milking at night. So whichever of us wasn't milking came down to do demos at night. Yeah. The best nights were when both of us could come. Mm -hmm. I, could, I could distract the shopper while Samuel mm -hmm. slipped yogurt into her, <laughs> her, but, but, but into her cart. But we, we grew from 5 to 12 to 25, and eventually chain-wide at Stop and Shop, and eventually became the number three yogurt. And I think, I think uh, what I can tell you is we had no know-how, but we had good instincts. And the instinct was um, be transparent, be be clear about what's in it and what isn't in it, and then use every opportunity we could to talk about the broader mission. And that seemed to endear ourselves. But the, I have to say the heart and soul of it, and you know this as well mm -hmm. as anyone, Rogers, it tasted better. Samuel's product mm -hmm. was incredible. We We called it the yogurt that doesn't bite you back because it had less... Acidity. It was it was a cream on top, whole milk. It's the very same recipe we use today. But the fact that it tasted so much better really is what I think made us successful. Okay, playing on the broader mission. Okay, I'm just thinking that you know we all three of us here know that people will easily spend a few more dollars and send some products that they feel align with their own values. What what is the mission of Stonyfield that you feel has engaged this great fan base? of loyal customers who are willing naturally to pay a few cents more because they can identify more with the brand and you've established an emotional connection that naturally translates into bringing more revenue. Yeah, I th I'd say it's really three primary things. One is uh, simple, unprocessed ingredients. Uh, in other words, uh, a, 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 an ingredient panel you can read and understand that speaks English. Instead of, you know, we, we one of our early print ads, and we didn't do much advertising, was a, a, a label side by side with two of our major competitors saying, read them and weep. And there was five words in our right. ingredient panel and a paragraph on theirs, and you yeah. couldn't even explain it. No, I mean, people have said, people said, Roger, though, you know, if you can't read the ingredients, you shouldn't eat it. Right. Well, well <laughs> you know, and, and actually to your point, it's, it's kind of interesting because people had a tough time getting their hands around organics. I believe you and Ben and Jerry's at the time were talking about BGH yes. as, a, as a hormone additive 
and you, you sort of brought it to attention so that people could understand. Ordinarily, you wouldn't understand what BGH right. actually means. The FDA actually sanctioned it uh, as an additive in, in, I think, going back in 93, but you kept pushing it out there, Absolutely. and that, I think, formed a point of differentiation. Well, and that's probably the second uh, okay. of the three, which is uh, advocacy on behalf of consumers to avoid unnecessary chemicals in, in our food system writ large. Mm -hmm. So in this case, BGH or RBST, as it's known, synthetic growth hormone, uh, were being injected into cows. Uh, Monsanto, it was a Monsanto product. And the cows would indeed uh, produce more milk. Uh, but there were net health effects and health concerns that have now subsequently been proven. And so whether it was advocacy on BST or herbicides or um, uh, overuse of uh, unnecessary uh, pro prophylactic use of antibiotics, mm. which renders them less useful when you need them. Uh, we took strong positions, and I think that endeared us, particularly to moms. And then the third, Larry, is a support for family farmers. Uh, this uh, is a, a pulls at everyone's emotional heartstrings because it's a real issue. And now, of course, you take it for granted. You see these prolific farmers markets, and you see the explosion of what used to be bread and circus here, Whole mm -hmm. Foods and the co-ops and so on. Now you've got uh, the National Consumer Grocers. That's a $2 billion sector of co-op co grocers. The INFRA, the, in, uh, the uh, National uh, Organization of Independent Natural Retailers, a $2 billion uh, entity. These are, there are many more channels that have opened up for uh, startup entrepreneurs like mm -hmm. we were back then than there were at the time. You know, we, we had to prove ourselves and fight our way in. Uh, and so for us, demos, sampling, getting it, I always say we can ship the yogurt 3,000 miles. It's the last 18 inches that makes all the difference because right. it was also a chance to talk and engage. Because frankly, the biggest problem we had uh, behind all three of these mission points was that we could never spend on advertising. We had, uh, you know, our margins were spent paying the farmer the proper price to do the right thing. So our gross margins were 1,000 basis points worse than our, uh -huh. than our competitors. But... But by engaging and getting the sort of publicity that I evolved, we were able to uh, um, we were able to uh, you know uh, overcome that that margin deficit by building really the holy grail, which was loyalty, word of mm -hmm. mouth, and and maybe I'd add quickly. I think there's probably a three and a half, maybe there's okay. a, almost fourth, <laughs> which is that just telling our own story as entrepreneurs. Um, right. You know, just a very quick story. Um, so in that time, day, as you both will remember, there were three bread and circuses, and right. uh, that was it. What was ne what is now mm -hmm. Whole Foods, at least here in the Northeast. John Mackey was also starting in Texas. One of those was on Prospect Street, and we were desperate to get in there. Mm -hmm. uh, and we had tried for a year, and they already had you know seven natural yogurts made in Vermont from someone with their teepee and their wet goat. You know, it wasn't like uh, they didn't need another hippie yogurt. <laughs> so I had uh, my 30th birthday in 1984 up at the farm, and my ultimate Frisbee team, which was based here in Cambridge, and a bunch of other friends came up for the birthday. And after we'd milked the cows that morning, I blew out the candles, and I said, thank you all for coming, but if you want to give me a really great present, uh, go down to Bread and Circus and ask for our yogurt. That was a Sunday. On Wednesday, the, the buyer at Bread and Circus called and said, Gary, I don't know what's going on, but demand has gone through the roof. That's <laughs> advertising. Exactly. We can't wish for, right? <laughs> well, yes. And, and you know, it still works today. Mm, I great. think authenticity, yeah. a real story, a, a passion for making the world a better place, not yeah. just selling. In fact, we were really not great at selling, but we were great at storytelling, yeah. uh, telling our story yeah. and telling the story of the modern day food system. I think, I think, I think that built the you, you, you mentioned Whole Foods and this sort of, and this is interesting because mm. you were with Whole Foods back at, at, at a very early time. Um, what is your read about what whole, what mm. what Amazon, Amazon has done with Whole Foods, and 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 what does the future hold with that purchase? What is it telegraphing? It's, I think it's a game changer. Um, so, of course, as you point out, we've been there forever, and we are the number one selling yogurt in, in Whole Foods, and have been have really benefited from Whole Foods growth mm. uh, and and Whole Foods influence. And of course, we're in every supermarket chain now, but it, it, we got, obviously got our start in that sector. Um, and I'm very close to all the senior folks at Whole Foods, current and former. So it happens you're asking me today, right after I just spent a weekend with them all at our big natural products, East Expo. Um, look, I think uh, exactly what you all talked about in your uh, Duncan interview, uh, value is going to be the, pro it, it, so, you know, in organic, we've had values. Right. Uh, in spades. I could mm -hmm. make the case that organic is the right choice for any 
of dozens of values, environmental, ethical, moral, uh, health, uh, uh, economic, uh, balance of trade, you know, you name it, I think organics. But we've never had value. As Larry, as you said, we've always been more expensive. And Amazon is gonna make organic more available to many more people. As I said earlier, the, the, the great news is we've got a $50 billion sector growing 10% annually. You'd be hard pressed to find any other sector of food. And as you know, I've been involved with ma major companies. I sit on lots of boards. Uh, you'd, ha find hard, you'd be hard pressed to find any other sector that grows at those rates for such a sustained period of time. And the, and the future is very bright. And we're growing into many other sectors besides just grocery now. But we've, um, but I believe that we're going to find. But 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 the bad news is we're 5.5 percent of food, so it's 50 billion right. on the one hand. I believe you're going to see a, a catapulting to now double digits because what Amazon's going to do, and they've already proven it, they're going to find efficiency. Um, I mean, I can tell you they are, they are learning as much in this new relationship as Whole Foods will be from them. It's an absolute marriage of strengths. Amazon is learning because they've never been in retail. Mm -hmm. They're learning about category management. They're learning about uh, data analysis. They're learning about shelf placement and metrics. And, and you know, look, the bad news is it's going to be tougher for new brands to get their start at Whole Foods because the, it's going to, they're going to be pressing right. us Financial down for price. It's going to be huge. It's going right. to be tough. Yeah. But on the other hand, there are these alternative mm -hmm. channels. I showed right. uh, Roger a, a product that mm -hmm. uh, we put when I walked in. We're going to eat apple cider. Well, my, we, my, my, well, I'm referring for your yeah. listeners. So, there's there's only one here. So do Roger and I put two straws in Well, that? I guess so. my, 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 my son, <laughs> the next gen, yeah. has just launched a new mm -hmm. line yeah. of organic apple cider drinking vinegars. His name is Ethan, and they're now chain-wide at Whole Foods. Uh, he got in just before the Amazon purchase. Um, but, uh, you know, it's going to be tougher for an Ethan or anyone else to launch or a Stonyfield. But there's plenty of other channels now. You've mm -hmm. got this infra channel, like I mentioned, and the co-ops. And you've got also every other grocer now trying to compete with Whole Foods. So I think, I think in, you know, to summarize, I think you're going to see price come down, which is going to be tough for our manufacturers, but very good for the consumer. The consumer is going to win. Gary, speaking of, of costs, one of the things on the that, that has really taken off over time, and we've talked about this in the past, but Greek yogurt. All of a sudden, Greek yogurt started out, maybe it was Chobani that I think, you know, was the first. No, actually, the, uh, you're talking to the first right here. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. I'll tell you that story. <laughs> Certainly, they've been, the, me. They, they've been the biggest, but not uh, the first. All right, okay. So, it, so it, it sort of took off, you know, in a way everyone had to have Greek yogurt. Is that more expensive or less expensive to produce? What, what, what is the yeah. process on that? So quick backstory here, and I'll, I'll get right to your question. I mean, yes, it costs more because it's three times the milk to make one unit of oh. Greek yogurt as compared to uh, yogurt. Um, in other words, uh, yogurt's one to one, Greek yogurt's three to one because it's a straining process where you're concentrating and you're left with a waste product called whey that's drained off. But Larry um, drinks in his... Uh, yeah, exactly, that, you know, exactly. And by the way, as you should, it's very good. And, it's, and, 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 and certain entrepreneurs out there are going to figure this out. And I'm hoping one of them is a little yogurt company in New Hampshire, that there's a, there's a, there's a serious product to be made with that whey. And we're, we're, we're working on it now. Yeah. But uh, just to back up, um, you can, my wife uh, has written a yogurt cookbook, and the Stonyfield Farm Yogurt Cookbook, and you can find... 25 recipes in there for yogurt cheese, which is as simple as, and, and Roger, you and I worked mm -hmm. in your lab yes, back yes, in the back to make some we dips did. with smoked bluefish back in the day. Yes. Um, all it is, it's a matter of straining. Anybody with a colander can dump a quart of our yogurt in and have Greek yogurt in about 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Literally, you strain the whey off, and, and that dense material that's left uh, is, um, is, 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 is Greek yogurt. Uh, the backstory here is that my wife and I went uh, for our, essentially our honeymoon right after we got married to Greece, fell in love with gr real Greek yogurt, real sheep and, and goat yogurt, came back, said to Samuel, let's make this stuff. Samuel whipped it off. No problem. We were making it. And back then, this is the early 80s, um, no one would eat it. It was too thick. It was just, uh, it was... Uh, it was filling, unlike right? anything, very filling, but also yeah. it was a mouthfeel that mm. people didn't like. Again, Americans, you know, mm -hmm. you have to remember, we have the lowest per capita consumption of yogurt in the world still, oh, even really? today, 30 really? years later, uh, compared to, say, Europe and uh, obviously the Middle East. Uh, how about China? Where the no, China's come right up now really? to match. I thought they were lactose intolerant. Uh, you would have thought, but okay. China's per capita, I mean. But when you say that, isn't it but, true that in America, 
Yogurt is still primarily at breakfast versus internationally. Actually, people it isn't eating anymore. at lunch, dinner, well, all yes. day long. Yeah, I mean, that's yogurt why, that's is why the consumption's higher. Well, yeah. I mean, what I would say is, yogurt is primarily a sweet product, and it, therefore, it's either breakfast or snack. Right. Whereas in much of the world, it's savory. Right. To your mm-hmm. point, if right. you go into any Greek mm-hmm. restaurant, you will have tzatziki, and yep. and most with, of the with world honey with, and, with and, salt, and, and, or, and, or not yeah, even yeah, honey yeah, with yeah, dill yeah, with yeah, herbs. Yeah. And again, that smoked bluefish uh, dip <laughs> yes. we did, that was incredible stuff. It was, but bluefish, huh? It came right Smoked out of bluefish. my wife's cookbook. But, uh, but, but uh, so we, we, we couldn't get anyone to try it. So then um, I, was tr- I was at a, a Citronella uh, grocery in uh, Upper West Side of New York in, ni- I'm gonna say it was 1995, and I saw that they were importing some Faye Greek yogurt. It wasn't made here. They were importing okay. it into a couple of those boutique stores on right. the Upper West Side. And I went racing back and said, look, we've got to make it. It's here. It's arrived. We couldn't make it in our own factory because we didn't have the right separating equipment. So we found a little dairy in New York State that made uh, cheese at that time, not yogurt. And we began making it there. Well, about six months later, uh, that relationship came to an end. And that guy turns out to be Chobani. Uh, so we were actually making it in his factory even before he was. Uh, um, and, of course, the rest is history. He's done a wonderful job. You have to that now. So here's the thing. What's happened is it's really grown the category. It's now 50% of the category, but it's also leveled off. You'll notice now Chobani uh, is, is starting to produce non-Greek yogurts. Why? Because they're not getting the growth in Greek anymore. It's become a commodity. No one's really making money. I've There's heard it's 25, kind of simmering down, right? Totally. This, yeah. It's flat, it's, but yeah. it's, it's half the market, to yeah. be fair. Yeah. So, so it has grown the category substantially. And Stonyfield has a Greek, and Danon has a Greek, and, and many others. But... But uh, what you're now seeing for innovation, to sort of follow that, that along, you're seeing much more in the drinkable space. Mm. You're seeing plant-based. I'm on the board of several companies uh, doing uh, everything from almond and, and cashew to oat yogurts. Um, mm. You're seeing uh, squeezable, pouchable baby yogurts and pouches. Uh, you're seeing uh, fat is back, I'm pleased right, to well, tell so you. This, is, this what, is my next question. I okay, yeah. Low fat, no fat, yeah. high fat. Where are we going? And you, you have the best insight here. Well, and, if, and if I, I have the best back, product, too. If I, I just have. think back what Roger said, <laughs> is it true? I read the other day that whole milk is up, skim milk is down, Absolutely. and almond and plant-based yep. are yep. surging. Absolutely. So it displays what Roger said. Yep. And yeah, no, share with us that insight. Well, so, wow. so it's an interesting... So, again, I'll, I'll maybe go to that Greek point to, as a point of departure to say... Like I told you, back in the day, we, no one knew what yogurt was. They might run into it as a ski area, but they, whatever it was, they, 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 the idea of bacteria and breaking it down was mm-hmm. scary to people. And it was just, a, it was just simply a, a diet food. You know, it mm-hmm. wasn't really purchasing with our mouths. It was purchasing you know, with our brains. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so we have tons of sugar. And so then along comes this category with you know, uh, the, 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 the feeling of fat, this is Greek, but with it, it wasn't really fat. And again, uh, uh, initially people were rejecting it, and then the timing became right. Well, it's because what happened was the low fat and non-fat, and believe me, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've profited from the no fat and, lo- and low fat trend, but people tired of it. It doesn't give the same taste appeal. They're getting fatigue. Right. And mm-hmm. we have a, and they tried lots of other things. The diet drinks came on for a while. The, mm-hmm. the, the, and, People and, weren't satiated. Right. And so I have a little brand called Brown Cow, which I we I have had it. I was going to talk. I right. love that brand. Well, so Brown Cow makes what Stonyfield started with, cream right. on top. It's never wavered from it. Right. It is among the most, along with Stonyfield's cream delicious. on top, whole milk, the most delicious yogurt. And I'm here to tell you what the stat you just said, Larry, is absolutely true. Fat, whole fat, whole cream is back. And, and it should be. And by the way, it's not like eating, you know, a, a super premium ice cream, right? It's, no, it's no. A whole, what's whole fat, three to four percent. Yeah. It's almost like also, you know, today you've seen a lot of the stores, a lot of the product categories, 100 calorie, Roger, you know, whatever. So 100 calorie to 150, right. no big deal. It tastes right. better, more, it's a little more fat. Well, if no you're satiated, and what people have figured out is if you're satiated, you eat less of other stuff. That's right. And so our whole milk is soaring now. Uh, and of course, let's also oh. remember that for babies, and that's, and you know, something like 55% of consumers are millennials now, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the largest living demographic there is. And of course, half of them are having kids. And so you've got this explosion of new babies. And we know clinically, this is, I'm having dinner with a pediatrician tonight uh, on this exact topic, that for brain development and a, and a dozen other reasons, babies need whole fat, whole milk. 
And so this idea that all yogurts are the same are, are not so, especially for our very youngest and most vulnerable. So I'm pleased to tell you, you know, we, we raised our kids, we all, always called ourselves the full fat family, because the cream on top could not be beat, and the best recipes come with it. But it, but, but really what I would say, that the, the silver lining here is the consumer has become more sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly the millennial consumer, who's not just sophisticated about taste, but let's face it, if I was having three millennials of my own, um, they want it all, right? They want to know where it was grown, who grew it, how it was grown, how it was produced. They want to know that it's pure. They want to know that it's clean. They want to know that it's not using chemicals that aren't necessary. And above all, it has to taste incredible. And by the way, as you talked about in your prior interview, uh, they want it delivered to them also. Yeah, right, right. There's a whole other trend going on here, which is we're exploding through the non-conventional channels. And, and Gary, one, can you educate us about live cultures? Sure. Because, you know, you see in some uh, yogurts, there's yeah. five, others are 10. You see kefir out there now, 10 to 12 live sure. cultures. Is that part of the probiotic? Definitely. Uh, okay. Well, the, the, uh, live cultures are not necessarily probiotic, but what they, live cultures refers to is there's a living organism in there. And while that may sound uh, disgusting to some of your less educated <laughs> consumers. I, I always joke that, you know, you're guaranteed multiple organisms in every bite. And fortunately, I've never slipped on that one. But but all kidding aside, the, 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 the live cultures um, have a vari- do a variety of things. First of all, they break down the food to make the nutrition more available to you. Mm-hmm. If you drink a glass of milk versus a cup of yogurt, you're getting many more minerals in the yogurt than you available and nutrients available to you because it's literally been pre-digested. Second is you're inoculating your your body, uh, and particularly for anybody who's been on antibiotics or who's been on. Uh, chemotherapy or other treatments where you've had mm-hmm. uh, disruption of your natural body flora. And, you know, we're mostly bacteria, again, whether people like to see it or not. Um, and so you need a constant restoration of, of that. And so, um, and you and you want good, healthy bugs in there to fight the bad bugs in there. And, and indeed, it, back in the day when we were talking about this stuff in the early 80s, people would look at us cross-eyed. Then the New England Journal of Medicine came out with a report, and I think it was 1989, saying absolutely uh, these live and active cultures are a critical part of clinical health, especially if you go on antibiotics. And so now, again, the, the millennial consumer, the consumer, our kids who've grown up taking, you know, having uh, these kinds of products and who feel better as a result, um, they're eating more wholly, whole foods and they're eating more sanely. Social media is perfect. This is, this is the social media generation. And you can use social media to convey literally with um, drones on, over your farms and, and farmers talking into, uh, we have cow cams. Our farmers are literally, uh, you know, we have, you know, on our website, really? you can go and the, 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 the farmers are actually mm. talking. I, uh, I have we, we have, we have, um, but, 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 uh, you know, uh, millennials, uh, a, a, a carpenter friend of mine says, you know, the reason he's a carpenter is you can't bullshit a nail. Right. And this generation, you can't bullshit either. Um, you, you know, they want to know how it's grown and they have they have questions that you've never even dreamed of asking. And frankly, less words is better, more visuals, more podcasts, more Instagram, more, more direct. And Stonyfield has always been really good because, again, we didn't have the advertising budget at, at inviting our consumers into a, right. a, a conversation. So and, number one and, is right, transparency. That's key. That conversation. Millennials buy from companies they feel they have a conversation Absolutely. with. Absolutely. And, and it's a doing. respectful that's level great. set. Mm-hmm. It's an even conversation. It's not top down. It's not condescension. Mm-hmm. It's, right. not, it's not lecturing them as if they're stupid. It's talking about this stuff as if it really matters. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I'm on the board of Blue Apron. I'm on the board of Sweetgreen. These are two 21st century brands. Blue Apron with the meal kits. Incredible phenomenon. Let me ask you a question about Blue Apron. Do you yeah. think that that has, I mean, you're on the board, so mm. you, may, you may have a biased viewpoint, but do you think that has legs in terms of people getting things to them to assemble uh, as often as it's coming to them? I'm, I'm a little skeptical of that particular. Well, what I would say is this, uh, they got to a billion dollars, 1.1 billion in four years in mm-hmm. annual revenue. There's 22 competitors now. Mm-hmm. You asked about Amazon earlier. Mm-hmm. Every grocer who's, is now competing with Blue Apron and vice versa. Um, I think the idea of, uh, uh, you know, again, millennials want to cook, but they don't want to shop. And so getting it to their house, I mean, this is why retail is really a problem. Mm -hmm. And this is, 
the other half of the Amazon answer is that it is, you know, those foods are going to become available to consumers through means other than just going to a store. But do but they the, want to cook or they do want to just put it into the oven? Well, uh, it, it, that's the that's the question. But if you follow what Blue Apron's doing, and mm-hmm. they have been, they are the, mm-hmm. the undisputed leader. They are now uh, telegraphing 30-minute prep. 30 minute that that it's 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 the big slogan mm-hmm. now on mm-hmm. our on our kits because what our consumers tell us I'm talking about blue aprons is that they want us they 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 love the uh, diversity they love learning from chefs they like they like working with the raw ingredients they like learning about the sequencing but they don't want to spend 45 minutes mm-hmm. so they want it 30 so so might they have a prepared meal that you know you might sell at a legal commissary for right. example yeah. sure I'm not saying it's the only way to do it, but what I'm saying is it's a channel now that's here. The other, the other though, is I mentioned Sweetgreen. I mean, you've seen it in Boston, but it's, let me tell you, it's a phenomenon sweeping mm-hmm. the country. And again, plenty of competitors. Now, Roger will remember that he was on the board of a little startup of mine that for 10 years called O Naturals, which is a, an early version of this. We were just, I think, ahead of our time, honestly. Mm-hmm. yeah, no, It was organic so well, and natural no. fast mm-hmm. food. And that's why you lent us your time. It was an undeniable trend, but we just uh, uh, mistimed it. But sitting at Sweetgreen, what I'm watching now is this explosion of interest in, again, transparency, uh, but mainly making it availability. And do you know that about half of their sales now are online pre-order, which means it doesn't Mm -hmm. take a genius to see that the next gen is going to be, next level is going to be us, forget the the, the $2 million Mm, footprints, right? right? It's going to be us bringing the food to them. And so these other channels, whether it be yogurt sales or other good for you foods uh, of direct to consumer are going to open things up. I, I, I should say there's one other answer, Larry, and that is this plant-based trend is really here. Um, vegan. Yeah, well, or vegan or vegetarian, but certainly mm-hmm. um, less animal, less or no animals right. in production. Um, why? Because again, exactly with yogurt, it's now tasting good. You know, I'll, look, I'll be the first to admit when we started back in our day, organic used to mean you have to chew extra. Okay. You know, you have yeah. those dark and dirty, mm-hmm. you know, dust covered yeah. uh, stores uh, with the bulk bins and they were not places where average consumers want to go. Now organic is the same as gourmet. The right. finest restaurants out there have organic wines, like one mm-hmm. I'm sitting with here and, yeah. and organic salads and they tout it. Um, and and a plant-based has now uh, made it. I'm on the board of a company that you will hear about called Forager, which is a cashew. It's a nut-based um, milk and yogurt. It's absolutely delicious. It's not like, uh, you know, eat your spinach uh-huh, at all. Uh-huh. And you see Calafia, uh, my friend Greg Steltonpole's company, and and plenty of others. Uh, a Good Karma. There's a whole lot of these that, that mm-hmm. have met the taste test. And again, this millennial consumer, I need to say it again, they want it all. Mm-hmm. It's not enough anymore to bring three quarters. You can't have like, um, you know, fantastic farmer practices and good green practices if the product doesn't taste incredible. It has to do it. You have yeah. to. You have to do all of it. So I, I would say this is a trend to watch. Gary, you 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 ran for office, uh, or you were going to run for office. I was office. going to. You were I did going not. to run for yeah. office. Mm. Tell tell us about that. Well, you know, you can tell by now that my motivation has never really been mm. about money, right? Mm. About making money. We've done fine. Uh, but I really began from where you asked me, you know, mm-hmm. some time ago in this interview, the, with this concern about our environment and about the choices we make and about the sort of blindness, 20th century blindness of, of uh, you know, assuming that, 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 that uh, the, the planet is a subsidiary of us, you know, mm-hmm. there for the taking and the dumping. And I've w- witnessed with my own eyes, uh, you know, what happens when we reverse that thinking, when we take a, a Merrimack River in New Hampshire, which used to be one of the 10 dirtiest rivers, or the river right here next to us, mm-hmm. and or Boston Harbor. And I've witnessed when, when humans make the intention of clean up, uh, cleaning things up, what we can do. And I and, and climate change, which was my field of study, um, you know, it's it's uh, you have to be completely uninformed and unwilling to, to focus on facts to not recognize that the ferocity of these hurricanes and, and sea level rise and species biodiversity and so many other impacts are happening because we're humans are warming the planet. And so, you know, inevitably one looks at politics as policy as a place to uh, have an impact. And, and this has been a lifelong debate for me is can I have more of an impact through business? through my purchasing and my 
you know, if you think about it, marketing is essentially education. You have story a conversation yeah. with a consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be very precise, I've been chairing for the last five years the national campaign to get genetically engineered foods labeled. And we're about to be successful by July of 2018, the USDA, thanks to a law that we got passed a year ago, um, a bipartisan passed bill in the Senate and the House and signed by President Obama. The USDA will have standards now that will bring us in line with the entire rest of the planet. You know, even Russia allows their citizens to know whether foods have been genetically engineered or not. But that exercise in policymaking, that getting that law passed and working on Congress and, and, and bringing hundreds and hundreds of entre- business leaders into Washington has really taught me that, uh, you know, the sausage making process that is policy is something that we can't afford to ignore. And so it's always a debate. Uh, and I live in a state where we, the elections sort of mm-hmm. never end, right? The presidential primary is right. restarted yeah. again. And mm-hmm. so in, inevitably there's a tug and a pull here and, 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 and I go back and forth. I'm active in politics, whether I will run, you know, remains mm-hmm. an open question. And you'll also have to ask my wife's opinion. That, that, that brings me to your new book, Stirring mm-hmm. It Up, How to Make Money and Save the World. Mm-hmm. Share with us the the thrust of the book, and also, are you by chance on a speaking tour, <laughs> right, with this information? You're not a politician yet, but are you basically on a speaking tour, sharing your insight from the book yeah. and audiences around the country? Well, look, first of all, I think the business of helping consumers understand how powerful our choices are. You know, this idea that we vote once every two or four years, but when we but we actually vote every time we buy something. We vote for local or organic or not, pesticide-free or not, genetically engineered or not, helping us to understand that we're all constantly voting for the kind of world we want. And by the way, you don't have to lecture millennials on this. They get this already. Right. Um, that was the thesis of this book. And so in effect, if you will, or that, that means that what I do every day and have done for 35 years is always political. Mm-hmm. Because I've been, you know, from the beginning when we said, look, there's such a thing as a better yogurt with yeah. less chemicals. Right. Uh, when people didn't even know there was such a thing as chemicals in our food and our yogurts. Um, it's always been political. Um, the book is not new, I'm sorry to tell you. It's been out for a while. Um, and so I'm not on a speaking tour related to the book, but uh, it continues to sell. You can find it at our favorite uh, new owner of Whole Foods at Amazon. <laughs> um, and it makes this very simple thesis. And that simple thesis is that companies who do well by doing good, companies who, um, uh, that, that, that fighting climate change is not just a morally sound thing to do, it's a financially sound thing to do. And I give dozens and dozens and dozens of examples from all kinds of sectors where reducing your carbon, your water, your, your, your toxins footprint actually is more profitable for your business. So, so uh, if, if, is that politics? You bet it is. Is business a really important place to have that discussion? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, Gary, great. Thank you. We have something called the lightning round. Yes, I have it, heard. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it lives in infamy now, but we're, we're going to shoot a number of questions yeah. at you and, okay. and, and try to get as much information out of you in the next six minutes okay. as, as we can. Six minutes? About six seconds. One game. <laughs> no, no, in total. In, in, in total. I know. <laughs> Who would you say was the biggest influencer on your career? Uh, my mother. My mother was a single mom of five kids uh, with a father who was uh, not really present. And uh, she went through multiple careers and just demonstrated to me that determination is the most undervalued and essential uh, uh, ingredient for success there is. If tomorrow you said, you know, I'm all done, organics, stony field, done, what would you be doing? What's your second passion? <laughs> Climate change. <laughs> I'd, be, uh, I'd be making the case that uh, it's actually really profitable to reverse climate change, and, and it's doable, too. Do you drive an electric car? I drive an electric hybrid. I have all right, a, all right. I have a Prius uh, You get credit for that. So I get, uh, I get about 70 miles of electric before the fuel kicks in, but I'm averaging about 70 miles per gallon, yeah. so pretty good. What, what flavor of yoga did you create? That wasn't a hiss. Oh, spicy garden salad. Oh, wow. <laughs> I told you before, Americans weren't up for savory. My partner was the genius with product, and he ate savory yogurt. This was uh, freeze-dried herbs uh, and, um, and, and vegetables uh, 
So when you open the the, 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 the top, it looked like a putting green on the surface. So it wasn't. <laughs> uh, on the other hand, I will tell you, for those who did use it, it was a great tapenade. Uh-huh. And you spread it on chicken and fish. It was incredible. Uh-huh. But it bombed. Do cows make good pets? <laughs> Well, I'm just thinking of buying one. <laughs> no, I'm not. Well, what can I say? It's no bull. Uh, no, I mean, uh, look. Um, uh, no, I, I just read somewhere, actually, where someone yes. adapted a, 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 you know, a calf. Well, look, cows, uh, cows can live a long time if you're properly taking care of them. But, uh, you know, the, 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 they're a little bit tough to keep in your living room. What's your craving? If you have one unhealthy food to just pig on, pig out on, what would it be? Well, I'm not even sure it's unhealthy, but I'm a dark chocolate-aholic. That's good. Uh, dark chocolate's healthy if you have. Yeah, see, I think, right? I think it is. Gary, what's the one thing you're not enamored about in the yogurt industry? I'm sorry, the organic industry. What's one thing you're not enamored about? Uh, a tendency on the part of certain activists to make the perfect the enemy of the good. You know, it's a mm. standard, and like any standard, uh, it's a continuous improvement process, and we need to keep improving on it. Uh, new technologies are coming along all the time, and and uh, and there is a um, kind of an eco-fascist uh, 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 segment of the organic world who uh, you know contends that if it isn't a hundred percent pure, then it can't be organic. Well, that's just not so. We have to be open to new ways of thinking, and 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 recognize that we're 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 uh, you know what we don't know is greater than what we do. Last question. Um, if you were to sort of sit back and reflect, and, and this uh, podcast may hopefully live on for a while, what would you like to leave your, your customers uh, with in terms of uh, thoughts, philosophy, something that they may not know about you and or Stonyfield? If I would want consumers to know anything, it's that, you know, we go through life thinking that we're the victims and recipients of whatever it is that companies decide to sell to us. Mm. That's the, it's actually reality is the exact reverse. You know this, Roger, as a successful brand. I know this, that I exist. I work for the consumer. And so interacting with consumers is a two-way street. If you don't see something you like, if you demand something more, speak to the company. You would be amazed at how receptive we are as brands Mm -hmm. to your message. We exist by being responsive. And so don't forget your power to change not just the way companies produce food and, and products are produced, but the way the world really works, you can have it all if you demand it. But the thing is, the average consumer is so jaded, there's no one is really going to bother with, if you want to call it the big corporations, right? But you do provide access, and you do have a dialogue, and you do care about your customer base. So that's what also makes you quite unique as well. Well, agreed. I, again, uh, follow the money. Watch Campbell's and Unilever and Nestle and Kraft, the multiples they're paying. And you can rest assured, these are not, you know, stupid people, right? right? That they understand that this is where the growth is going to be. And the reason they understand is that the more uh, transparent the company, the more honest, the cleaner the, the ingredient label, but the more actual good behaviors are happening mm. way back upstream where those mm. products came from, the more successful they're going to be. And so consumers need to realize that isn't a trend that happened arbitrarily. That happened because consumers, particularly this young um, uh, rapidly growing sector uh, is speaking up. Great. It's awesome. Gary, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. And uh, we're going to see more of you, I think, at Stonyfield Farms. In the meantime, there's this Ethan's apple cider vinegar shot that's out there in Whole Foods that, that Gary's son is, yeah, is, uh, is launching. And uh, I guess it's safe to say the apple didn't fall far from the tree. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. We just can't wait for the next chapter of Stonyfield. And we're, Gary. <laughs> well, we're certainly looking forward to it. As I say, we, we're, we feel really lucky with the new owner. And I think uh, you'll see great things coming down the pipe. Pipeline. Awesome. Great. Thank you. Okay, thank you so guys. much.